Welcome back, y'all, to episode 64 of the Zachary Wingate podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Today is no different. Nothing is off the table. So let's get into it. Do you ever like come back from being in another country and the novelty wears off and you're back in your culture and you're back in the day-to-day life and it feels like nothing has changed and you've gone out and you've seen things, been a part of cultural experiences, learned a new language and put yourself out there and you feel like you've changed. The sensation's always really interesting to me. And it was something that I experienced when I was 20, when I lived in El Salvador for a summer. And there I was an English teacher in San Salvador. And it was the first time I really ever experienced being out of the country. And for me, it was quite a new perspective on life. You know, if you look at El Salvador in itself, it's a very dangerous country. It's small, and it's part of Central America, and it's poor. Um, that's where MS-13, Salvador Marachucha, got its start, originally in the streets of California. And then um, a lot of the gangs were actually extradited and sent back to San Salvador. And there they created MS-13, spilled over to Honduras, and etc. But my summer in El Salvador was an interesting one where, you know, it's only three months of time, but the time and growth in those moments really opened me up to a different way of thinking. You know, for me, teaching conversational English in another country really took a lot because of my background with dyslexia and I think it's so important for during Dyslexic Awareness Month that we really realize that it's okay to do something that you're not comfortable doing. And it's okay to be willing to fail in order to get to the next level. And in those moments, it grows you. But what I did during this summer is I was an English teacher for the Central Central Change for Solidarity. It was a little school originally started by the FMLN, which is a communist movement within El Salvador. Now, when you think about El Salvador in the 1980s, there was a proxy war being fought through the Russians in the United States. A lot of special forces there. This was during that time of Iran-Contra, things you had with the FARC within Colombia. You know, a lot of disorder with the fear of the spread of communism, which was really proxy wars being fought through the Russian in the United States. So I found myself at this school that was when the FMLN, which was part of the socialist movement. Now, what's really interesting about terrorist organizations that have a socialist agenda, meaning they are communist facing, um, you know, on the scale of terrorists, even though they say there's no real definition of what a terrorist is. There's not one we all go by. Um, Whenever you look at socialist terrorism, 
guerrilla warfare, etc. by communist parties, it's more than likely to become a political party. So they start fighting and fighting and fighting, and eventually they become a political party. It doesn't happen as much within religious terrorist groups, which my generation is more familiar with. The generation before me would have been more familiar with the guerrilla warfare type kind of terrorism. Now, by the time FMLN is a political party, when my time is El Salvador, it's been established for 20 to 30 years. And I was a part of a school that had the intention to teach English and teach cultural norms to help people of the poverty line. Um, There, I taught conversational English, and I found it really, really interesting because of my first experience doing it, interacting with people. I'd be there in the afternoons and the evenings working with them. And for me, I felt like a fish out of water. And I was also staying at a school. I'll also be staying at a school where they provided me housing in this little house with this little woman who was really sweet. And she was a Buddhist. And she'd cook me meals when I got home. And they were, they were usually pretty decent, but I actually ended up staying in the back room, which was a shed. And during the summertime, it gets so hot there that I'd take cold showers. And it was like the only way I could like go to sleep or take a nap on like on a Saturday. And the woman would do my laundry and she'd put it on the roof and dry it. It was quite the experience. Now, Salvador is also the first country I've ever experienced in an earthquake in. But what really made the experience unique was is the first time kind of on my own and living in a new country. Well, I had friends there at the time. Um, These friends I'd actually met at university. And I find myself interacting with the richest people of society and then teaching some of the poor. Or I should say some of the ones who were subject to more poverty. And the contrast was interesting, you know, you get different aspects of it, but it was made really apparent, you know, living in El Salvador, seeing the day to day. And for me, experiencing it created this new outlook on life about how life can be, how hard life can be, how different life is outside the United States and what the perspective is for people. You know, you have this perspective and you feel like your mind's blown or you've learned new knowledge and you're taking it back to the people who don't have it. And what you realize is sometimes people don't care. They honestly don't care about the rest of the world or what's going on in it. And they're so focused on their own life, their day-to-day life, that they don't want to contribute and be a part of a of a larger community. But if I go to the next layer of where that started too, when I was in school, I was able to go to a program called Heifer International, which Heifer International in itself is a organization that takes one heifer, puts it in a community, and builds agricultural um, ecosystems for developing countries or countries below the poverty line. And within Heifer International, what's so interesting is they have different... Um, global villages there and they allow you to live there when you're young you sleep there for a night 
and you live in different global villages that are below the poverty line, Appalachia, Africa, um, places that really have issues. And what you're supposed to do is you're giving food and water and different things, and you're supposed to barter in order to make it. And, you know, it's it's really interesting because the adults are supposed to pretend like they're children. So as a result of pretending like they're children, um, you know, it's kind of like Lord of the Flies-esque. And I never forget, because one kid named Jordan McKinney, who I grew up with, actually went there before everyone else. And he tried to create a system where he would hold the bridge, and if you didn't pass, you'd have to get water. And we were like, bro, like, we're just going to pass. Like, it was like he was trying to, like, trick the system. But he's trying to trick the system for his own tribe in order to take advantage of others. And I think it was a really interesting experience to to do that. And, like, you know, when you're a kid, you go there and, you like, you live... And you sleep on, like, you sleep in, like, Appalachia. You know, it was, like, I remember sleeping in, like, a little cabin. But, like, not even a cabin. I mean, the bed was made out of, like, like rope, you know. But those experiences are always really interesting because of what they provide in perspective. And how seeing the other way people live day to day, you know, because I think... Whenever you're born in the United States, there's a lot of privilege that comes with it in terms of comfort, um, your day-to-day comfort. Obviously, you have to pay more for it, but there are there are different levels. An example is just having an ambulance that would come to you in 15 to 20 minutes and take you where you need to know, go. And the majority of the time, the trained professionals are above the normal per- global percentile of people who would take care of you. Um, you know, just the way you live in your house, the products you're able to buy, things of that nature. Now, I think sometimes where the United States lacks is a sense of community or interacting with people. Um, you get it in the South. I think you do in certain cities, people interacting with you, being a part of the community, talking with you. But whenever you're on the East Coast, it's a whole different community there. But I think so far being back in the United States after being in South America, it's like I really want to I wanna be and live in South America more. You know, I just really enjoy Latin American countries. I think I find them interesting. I find them different, but I also find them fun. You know, when you, when you come back home, it's, it's always great to see your family, spend time with them after a trip. But you do kind of long for that adventure itch of getting out in the world and seeing things or being more immersed in it I think that's really would be the ultimate goal is being able to live in an environment where you can go and you can see things you can experience them and like you get paid for it and you're a part of it um but those journeys have been great you know I think a lot of the growth sometimes outside the edges is what's interesting and and I think you always look at your life and you're thinking you know what is it getting me ready for you know even going over these last moments like I forget sometimes how much how many things I've experienced in life and how the perspective can help me become a better version of myself and potentially help others and I think too the message that I really want to convey from time to time is that you know if you are dyslexic if you were coming over that adversity 
You know, you have the power to overcome it. And don't let other people dictate what you can and can't do. And sometimes you do have to really understand that, um, you know, you put the construct on your life. Like you are putting, you are building the life you want daily. Whether it's adventure, financial, you know, anything you want to do each day is one link in the chain of that life that you're building. And I think when you think about that, each day is a link. It really helps you to better, I think it helps you get more of life. And moving forward for me, it's that's really the goal, you know, is, is to get more and more out of each day and experience it deeper. And I think this podcast is helping me understand that, but it's also helping me become a better version of myself through consistency and knowing that I put my word on the line and I want my word to be impeccable to where I do a podcast every single day for 365 days. So those are my deep thoughts. Um, Kind of went deeper than I normally do in my thinking, but being back home really opens that up. So thank you so much and have a on my calendar, it's like says Columbus Day slash Indigenous People Day, which I'm kind of like, which one is it? But I'm going to go ahead and say just have a really good day tomorrow, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.